This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash. Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. Blog Talk Radio. Time now for the Gridiron Stud Show. Well, you can be all American. I'm actually, you can do it now. You can do it now? Yeah, I can do it. I'm trying to focus on my position. With your host, Chad Wilson. They hate no man. You got to be something in the mix. Bringing you high school, college, and NFL talk. I don't rap a discipline. Me you all need more discipline. True discipline. Come on, get a grip. Call us on the show today. Don't get out of my face with that crazy that, stuff. That, that. The number to call, 347-633-9365. Y'all got to take y'all know that. Or you can reach us on Twitter, at Gridiron Stud. And now, your host, Chad on welcome to the gridiron stud show it's november already november 3rd 2017 i'm chad wilson he's Emil calamino and for the next hour here we're going to hit the colleges and the pros second hour i'm going to have uh, joshua wilson from floridahsfootball.com on as we wrap up the regular season of high school football here in the state of florida and we get to um show off our brand new playoff system here in the state of florida uh, I think most would agree that it is uh, it is a better system than what we had before. I don't know if you know it, Emil, but how did it change? A... In the past, now the top two teams in the district automatically went, and they just went about you know pairing things up in a bracket along that lines. What we had had happening in recent years were two and eight, um, three and seven football teams making it to the playoffs simply because you're in a three man district or a four team district. And, you know, you happen to be the best of the worst. And now this year um, they've implemented a, 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 a sort of a ranking system based on points. Uh, yeah, we have that up here. To strength and schedule. So, yeah, you know, it was adopted, I believe, from uh, Texas, I want to say it is. Another state has a similar system to what we set up here, and it was adopted from that. And it seems to be a much better thing. You know, 2-8, and eight, congratulations on – 
being second yeah. in the district, but you don't deserve to be in the playoffs. Maybe to eliminate a lot of, you know, blowout losses that we would see in the first round in past years, you know, 60-something and nothing. Well, here, you know, not you know what happened up here? We kind of went in one direction. We got better in some, in some ways. It made it worse. We were only in four classes up here up to a couple of years ago. So yeah. what you would have is, like, the school, the public school in my town, let's say grades 9 through 12 might have 1,600 kids, which in this right. part of the state, that's a nice size school. It's a 4A school at the time. Well, they go down toward the Philadelphia area, and you get some of these schools like Central Bucks East, Central Bucks West. You've probably heard mm-hmm. of some of them because they produce a lot of players, especially in the Big Ten. Right. They might have 3,000 kids. So you're not. So so they they expanded and they went to six classes, getting closer to Texas and and Florida. I think you guys have eight, right? Right. Um, but what's happened now is in parts of the state like this, where say the school that I'm telling you about before was a four A, it might be a five A now. It's not a six A, but there might only be five teams in that class. So we have a game in one of these classes. I was noticed the other day where one school is one in nine. And they're playing this our local school. It's usually a pretty good team. They had a down year this year. They were five and five. They're playing them in the first round. A one and nine team is playing a five and five team. So yeah, we got the same uh, thing going on. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you, it's you're not going to have a perfect system, um, especially in high school with so many teams to deal with, so many classifications. But um, as it seems right now, and this is the first year of it, um, though there need to be a couple of tweaks. Perhaps this seems to be a better way to go than. Yeah, I would agree. I don't. I don't like. I mean, I think there should be a certain minimum standard in any sport to make the playoffs. I mean, even in professional sports, I'm one of these guys that. I mean, for me, like you know, I look at those NBA playoffs every year, and I say, if you can't get to 500, I'm not sure why you're in. Yeah, sure. Uh, and uh, you know, I would I would have to agree with that. There've been a number of uh, things that have happened since our last show on on Friday. Uh, we have crowned a new World Series baseball champion and that uh, that is the Houston Astros much to my co-host chagrin but you've got to say how good was that series how good was that series definitely that was, that definitely was a great series yeah you know the yeah, only I'm thing not, that I'm not that I'm disappointed but I'm not like you're I mean I, I noticed fans and I told you this on text the other day maybe it comes with age but fans have a hard time understanding this that series first of all and this is almost any championship but that series you pitted two great teams 113 years of baseball, there's been eight times where 200-plus win teams played. The last one before this one was 1970. It's hard to win 100 baseball games. They were great teams. And I honestly believe what Smoltz said in game one, if they played 50 times, those two teams might have been 25-25. They were that even. Somebody was going to win game seven, and someone was going to be disappointed. I never, you know, both teams could stand there all day and tell you, the things they should have done. I mean, I'm sure the Astros would tell you every reason they shouldn't have lost any of the games. And you got Dodger fans telling you all the reasons they should have won the series. Bottom line is, sometimes the other team just beats you. Yeah, you know what, Emma? We've you reached know? this point. We've reached this point in in, in our sports society where um, it's it's win or you suck. Uh, fans can't handle losing at all i mean yeah be disappointed but then you know there's all the passing the blame and this one poor you darvish i mean yeah could the guy have had better outings in the world series sure but um you know just handling the losses doesn't seem to be something that fans are able to do well, let me ask you this I thought, even last more. year at the super bowl i always felt the same way with atlanta right atlanta's disappointed they had a 25 point lead they should have won the super bowl they feel you know, not that you shoot for second, but winning a conference championship and hanging a banner 
is not like you suck. I mean, you know, you're a baseball fan. The Dodgers won the National League pennant. They won 100 and some games. That season's not a failure. You lose the World Series in a seventh game, and you have fans saying it's a failure. Stephen yeah, a. I'm a lot of been happy failure. if the Yankees would have gone played in a World Series like this and they came up short. I I would have been. I was fine with the Yankees. Um, you know, as they were, you were fine. You, you said, hey, they got to the American League Championship. They gave me a great season, better than you expected at the beginning. You got set into the seventh game against the team that won it. How can you be unhappy? And that's what Stephen A. Smith, I mean, he, I think he's not even genuine anymore, that guy. I mean, he used to say stuff that interested me. He became a hack, in my opinion. He's on, on uh, TV yesterday going, the Dodgers season's a failure. It's like, are you kidding me? You, you won your, I think your league, to, and you won you know, A lot of these guys are just trying to rile people up, and I think – I think that's uh, you know where our media's gone too, just to get people riled up. Everyone wants that. Apparently, that gets viewers, gets people talking, it gets the clips. Um, you you say something outrageous, the clip gets put on Facebook and gets shared a hundred million times. Excuse me, I hate to interrupt you. I got a football thing brief just in. Uh, breaking news: Seriously, Ezekiel Elliott granted an emergency stay. Will play Sunday versus the Chiefs. Just <laughs> to, uh, Judge granted that. <laughs> Just for the love of God, this thing's so back and forth and all over the place, it's ridiculous. I mean, we could get into that. I'm I'm seeing it now. Uh, I'm seeing Adam Schefter's uh, Twitter account. He's back on. He's back off. What does that do for practice, I wonder? How does this guy practice each week? Yeah, how's the backup feel? I've said this um, to fans. You know, I've I've been a Cowboy fan my whole life. You know that. I follow the team. um, And I've, I've, you know, pretty in tune with Jerry Jones. And over the years, you know, like most pro sports franchises, not just the Cowboys, they've had a lot of guys suspended. I mean, back in the heyday in the 90s, hell, you think? I mean, yeah, Leon Lett, remember him? I never saw Jerry Jones actually go against the league on a suspension. If, you know, if, if Lett was smoking weed and, or whatever he was doing at the time, Coke, got suspended, hey, you know, you got you to serve the time. I mean, Jerry would try to help the player. That's one thing I'll give Jerry credit for. He tried to get the guy straightened out as a human being, but never really fought the league. This is the most livid I've ever seen Jones. I mean, he really, really feels this guy that. I, I think, you know, you and I have talked about this on previous shows when it was more happening. I think when you look at the system in America and you say, okay, you know, you got a guy who's accused of a, a, a crime, um, two police forces, 15, 200, 2,000 miles apart, look at it. Two DAs look at it say, there's no charge here. Now, it's not like they're related working in cahoots. It's not like the guys in Columbus are talking to the guys in Cleveland. I mean, we have Ohio and Florida here. And then you got a female interview the uh, alleged the accuser. She says she doesn't believe the accuser and that she was not recommending a suspension. And you got the young guy who, who has made some stupid choices in public perception, pulling up a girl's shirt and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, he saves text messages from a girl saying, you know, you're a black guy, I'm a white girl, they're going to believe me over you, I'm going to ruin your career. And, and, and what you, so what the do you think this the is match. about, Amal? I mean, obviously Jerry Jones is uh, one of the premier owners uh, in the NFL. So what do you think this is about? Given everything you just laid out, um, in, well, I with, think Jones uh, is done with Goodell, and I think a lot of the owners are. I think at some point, you, you know, the whole PC perception thing has to, you know, reality has to set in. In other words, if the guy did it, you suspend him. If he didn't do it, just because you want to make an example and make up for your Ray Rice, you know, debacle, you, you don't you don't use someone else's life and their career. And, their, you know, this isn't just about Cowboy fans saying he's going to miss six games. This guy's going to lose six paychecks. I mean, you're reaching into a guy's pocket. Emil, has Roger Goodell been good or bad for the NFL? 
Well, you know where I've come on that before, Elliot. I was on this four four years ago. You, I don't like it. I don't think Goodell's been great. I mean, they can point to short-term gains. Has he not grown the game? He's expanded the sport short-term, but I think it's starting to come back, and he's getting the boomerang effect, and it's coming back in the other direction now, and people are tired. I mean, the whole Brady thing, you know, he went after Brady. I mean, Brady Brady did what? He deflated footballs like every other guy. I mean, all these quarterbacks screw with the ball. You hand the pitcher the ball in a baseball game, he's rubbing it in the dirt. Are you kidding me? So what do you think should have happened there? Nothing? Well, I think there's some ways to penalize him if you really, really, really think, you know, let's not rehash that one because that that could be a whole show. Who knows what went on there? You know, you could do that monetarily, but really you went after the guy for eight games. I mean, eight games. And if you remember the game that was in question, they beat the Colts 41-7. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, you know that that I is. Mean, I just think there, this right? guy is a typical lawyer. Okay, um, he looks for a reason to insert himself into things more than he should. He he does a lot of things. You, you know, he he has a lot of um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Reactionary. Okay, the Ray Rice incident. He screws that up. Okay, he screws that up big time. So now he has another case similar with this guy. That's a high profile player. And he says, well, let's give him six games. Well, I mean, you know, think about it. Six games? You're going to give – first of all, if I was going to suspend him, it probably would have been two games, and I would have never named that incident because he was not convicted, charged, or anything else on that incident. I would have said I'm yeah, giving him two games. My biggest problem with, with Goodell, Emil, is, is there's been no – very little preemption in anything. It's always reactionary, and you know how that yes, goes. Yes, that's what it um, – Yeah, you're no going to eventually end up Chad. in trouble. Chad, no consistency. In other words – if if you want to suspend Elliot, you say conduct detrimental to the league, bad perception, pulling girl's shirt up on national TV, whatever, two games. He's going to fight you on that. It's going to be harder for him to fight you because the commissioner has latitude to say, you gave us a black eye. You don't do that stuff on TV. And this thing might be over by now. But you go for six games where a guy, nobody, if he wants to be called, he can deal with being a 21-year-old jackass for pulling a girl's shirt up. This guy's fighting for his name. He'll say this. He said, the reason I'm fighting this is I don't want to be labeled an abuser. So either he's a great liar, and he did this, and he's still fighting, or he really didn't do it, and he doesn't want that tarnishing his name. Goodell went for the knockout punch because that's public perception for him. In other words, I'm going to show everybody that I'm tough on domestic violence. Well, okay, but you weren't when when the kicker for the Giants Pen letters saying that he beat his wife. You gave him a game. Yeah, a little initially. bit of selfishness there for Goodell. Let's talk about something else big that happened this week. Um, the Florida Gators uh, let go of Jim McElwain, a, a, a parting of ways of such. And if I'd have told you, Emil, before this season that uh, Jim McElwain would be the first, um, is he the first coach to be gone in midseason? Uh, I guess he is. Is he not? Yeah, I can't I think so. of anyone right now. And you now like him as a person, right? I mean, you've, you, you've obviously yeah, spent no some doubt, time around Yeah, no doubt. Him. Yeah, good Solid guy, right? individual, spent some time, obviously sat in yeah. his office. He'd come to the house. Um, yeah, absolutely no problem there. And, you know, from folks on the outside, and, you know, you had several people, or players that played for him in Alabama that came out and said some things on social media um, about Florida and that, you know, I can't believe that, you know, uh, he'd be let go two and a half years into the job, especially when he made it to the uh, SEC championship game in, in in the two seasons that he completed. The truth of the matter is this. He was brought in 
um, specifically, winning at Florida is a given, just as it is at you know Miami, uh, Florida State, sure. USC. At you know certain places, winning is is a given. You're not expected. Yeah, you're going to go win X number of games on, in most of those schools. You, you know, no kidding. You you should win a certain number of games every season. Yeah, just that's based expected. The fact that you come through the tunnel and you've got more right. talent. Okay, exactly. So. That is that's expected of you. What specifically Jim McElwain was brought in to do was to fix a broken offense. Florida had been abysmal offensively uh, under, you know, Will Muschamp, especially the last couple of years that he was there. So you're expecting to win. Muschamp had won here, but we're bringing you in to take us to the next level. We have a good defensive culture here. That's going to stay. Um, and what we need you to do is come in and improve the offense. And what essentially ended up happening, Emil, was the offense got worse. Um, you know, offense that was ranked near the hundreds, uh, before he got here, was now ranked in the hundreds. And just watching it as a fan, as a parent, um, it was difficult to watch. And so yeah, I was just going to say that. I mean, it's a brand of football that is me watching their games because of your sons. I mean, frankly, and you know, you know, being a a Pac-12 guy, it's a brand of football that I struggle to watch because I mean, the, I I send you text during games, and I ain't kidding. I mean, it makes my eyes bleed some days. I mean, yeah, and, and that's just I mean, the truth. That's just the truth, Emil. Um, if we're if if uh, Jim McElwain is being truthful, if the staff's being truthful, if the fans are being truthful, um, if you're just taking an honest look at things, it was it's it's bad, you know. And so, um, why is at a that? Place you, like you, that you, you, you know football cooker, as much as any person time. I know. Why is yeah. that? What's your take? Why why is Florida having such a tough time putting together a, hey, a decent? For all I know, Emil, I don't have an answer to that. I don't know why. Um, with two coaches over a span of, I guess that what six years, eight, seven years, um, you've not been able to correct this problem, especially in an offensive era. I have no idea. Just, I guess you could call it. I mean, I, I think they've done some knee-jerk things. I mean, let's start with, you know, I mean, you know, obviously the quarterback position has been an issue. Um, that's, you know, you don't need a football analyst to tell you that. So, you know, this year you and I were, were following a player of mutual interest. Um, this, this coral kid that's coming in, um, right. he originally was a USC recruit. Now he's from California. Mm-hmm. Now there should be enough in the state of Florida and the surrounding area to get a top flight quarterback from the area. I always, I'm hesitant. And, you know, even when USC does this, I'm very hesitant bringing kids across the country. It has to be the right kid. I mean, so they better be sure because you can get a you know, kid. No, no. When go it comes to quarterback, though, I got to stop you there. When it comes to quarterback, there, um, not not necessarily the case. Uh, you know, you, you you can look at my own alma mater. Uh, we never really got it done with a guy in state. Um, yeah. You yeah. know, Ken Dorsey came sure. from you know clear across the country. Jim Kelly was from your oh, neck it of the woods. happens, and there's the, I'm not saying it, well, I'm yeah. not saying it's a failure. I'm just saying that I'm always. That that stuff scares me because once you get a kid across the country, that's one thing, and then you get him there. It's another thing to keep him from transferring. And I've known, following my own team over the years, kids just seem to like you know, if you keep like two out of five when they come that far, you I think you're doing pretty good. There's a lot of transfers, you know, when the, when the kids. And oh, I, I, I mean, it's the other easier to become a. It was a bit of a taboo thing back in the day. I mean, it's rather easier now. I mean, it's and easy. I don't like their offensive line. I mean, I, I mean, no offense to any of the kids. Maybe it's just coaching. I'm not saying they're bad players. All I'm saying is that, that offensive I don't know, Amo. You know, I'm not so I'm not so ready to do that. I mean, I watched this team against Georgia, the now yeah. the number one team in the country. They opened up running lanes. They were able to run the ball. 
and and your quarterback had time. I mean, if you think about last week's game, he was back there patting the ball a little bit and just couldn't find a guy getting yeah. open, whether that's concepts, he couldn't read the defense, whatever it is you want right. to, however you want to analyze it. I saw him being able to run the ball and gave the quarterback time against the number one team in the country who, by the way, identity is defense. Um, so I'm not so quick to jump off on them. I just think there are a number of problems there, and, I, and you have to start with coaching. Um, you know, I coach, and you just have to be accountable. And, you know, I, I said this in an interview as much, that if um, I'm out there as a defensive coordinator and we're giving up 30 each week, I mean, I got to point a finger at me first. I've, it's up to me to fix it, whether it's my scheme or get the right players out there. Or when you're a program like that, go out and recruit the proper players. So it, it, any one of those avenues you want to look at, it comes back to you as a coach. Well, and that's, I, I that's also think generally in, in college football, and I can't say for him specifically like you could because obviously you, you, you have much more insight to that program. I think generally coaches – have started to follow fans with this. And I think a lot of staffs get way too wrapped up in recruiting four- and five-star players when, in essence, it might not be a guy that they need or fits their system. But they, they're they really wrapped up in those rankings and saying, you know, we've got this many four-stars, this many five-stars. But when the kid gets there, they, they don't get any better. And at the end, two years later, their sophomore year, they're really the equivalent of a three-star. I think it's recruiting the right guys for your program and then, you know, coming, having them improve. I'd rather get a bunch of three stars that I know are my guys. And in two years, they're five stars. Oh yeah. No, no doubt about it. Um, your fans are going to want those five stars and you know, fans have more and more say so now than ever before, either way, whether it's a five star or three star, you've got to develop, you've got to take the 18 year old and turn him into a 20 year old, 21 year old. Uh, I've said that over and over again. You can't bring in an 18 year old at three years later, still an 18 year old. You have to develop them. If you're going to have a successful program. Uh, another thing so I want to touch on before here, we get coach, where do they go from um, here? What, listen, what's the a, next move? There's a search. Um, the word is Scott Frost at, at UCF is the number one guy, but you're going to hear a ton of rumors and things like that. You've gone through this with um, USC, who's had to change coaches a couple times here in the last sure. decade. Be the same deal here with Florida. Uh, you know, names will be out. There'll be you know rumors everywhere. It's just tough to deal with. I don't think we really know much of anything till we get around to Thanksgiving. So I'll just let the rumors bounce well, we, around. Well, we and talked fly. about it last show. Fans want to change the coach after every loss, and here's the deal: it, you know, it's it's not as easy as people think. Even if you're a top-flight program like a Florida, and you can you know you can get in on a lot of really good coaches, changing the coach is like starting over again. No matter what your talent is, you know, you're putting in a whole new system, a whole new program. So you know, I mean, sure, some guys like Harbaugh come in in year one, they go ten and two, but that's usually an exception, not a rule. And, you know, so, so, you know, fans don't want to go through the process anymore. What they want is they want their team to be 12-1 and immediately and be in the, the college playoff. They're not willing to go through the process of, hey, the first year we might be 10-3 and if we're lucky, or 9-4, and and then we're going to be 10-3, and and then we're going to be 11-2. and They don't want that. They want to go right to the playoff, you know, the hell with the steps in between. Yeah, yeah. Well, another thing for us to touch on, and like I said, you know, we're obviously going to have – uh, plenty of opportunity to talk about this because this is going to be ongoing for the next however many weeks here up up through December. So we'll have plenty of opportunities to talk about who's going to be the next coach at Florida as well as who's going to be the next coach at the four or five other places that are going to lose their coach 
uh, in the coming weeks here. Um, let's talk about the new college football playoff ranking. The, the first one for the 2017 season has been released. And Amelis, I've got to say this. I like what the committee has done. It's time to start holding teams accountable for their scheduling. And it looks like they're, they've gone out and do that. Most specifically, um, we're talking about one team in particular, but there's some other teams where I see it. And that's Wisconsin, who is, um, you know, ranked fourth. They're in the playoffs. If you look at the AP top 25, they're, they're fourth overall with an 8-0 record. But the college football playoff ranking, uh, the, the committee, not so impressed, has them at number nine. Yeah, I loved it. Let, let me tell you, and you know I've been saying this to you for years, and you're probably saying it back to me because we usually agree on this kind of stuff. Uh, nothing annoys me more than the AP and coaches' rankings. When these guys that vote rank teams by their record with no regard for who they play, it's almost like doing a power ranking for the NFL. I mean, the, the NFL, you have common opponents for almost every team. So basically, right. I do agree with the old Bill Parcells. You are what your record says you are in the NFL. Mm-hmm. This is not the NFL, okay? So, you know, you get you get some schools here that are scheduling joke schedules, and they happen to have the benefit of maybe catching some early conference, you know, cupcakes, like a Wisconsin, and there ain't no, but guess what? You know, based on their schedule, they're not the fourth best team in the country, but these people keep ranking them, well, they're undefeated, we've got to put them at number four. No, you don't. Look who they played. Go check their schedule. They didn't play anybody. Yeah, it just seems to be convenient to go ahead and put a team that's undefeated way up there. But, um, you know, I like that the committee um, is taking a good hard look at things. You, uh, Wisconsin's out-of-conference schedule, Utah State, a game they won 59-10. to 10. Florida Atlantic um, with the brand-new Lane Kiffin, um, 31-14. and 14. And then at BYU, which in years past might have been a, a great game to schedule. Not so much. BYU has been abysmal. And it's just not your granddaddy's BYU. And then to top that off, they're on the weaker half of the Big Ten side. So you're not facing any stiff competition here. They do have Michigan coming up. But, Emil, if this team wins out, uh, I don't know that they jump in that top four before they get into that championship game for the Big Ten. No, they, I mean I think if they were, I think if they were undefeated with a win over Ohio State, it'd be hard to keep them out at that point. Of course, point. yeah. But that's a long way between here and there. I'm, I'm with you. I don't think they're going to be. Listen, I tried to explain this locally to a Penn State fan weeks ago. Um, I mean, their out-of-conference schedule this year was Akron, uh, Pitt, who is a rival. I'll, let, I'll pa- give him a pass on that, but Pitt does stink. And then they played Georgia State. And his take to me was, you know, he was talking about we were talking about our teams. He said, well, there's no benefit to playing Texas like USC does. There's no benefit to playing the, school, the schedule USC does. You just get the wins. I said, well, sure, there's a benefit. There's two benefits. One, your team improves before it gets into conference play versus playing teams you can, you know, beat with your third string. And I said, secondly, it gives you some schedule that, you know, if you're a one-loss team and, you you, you know, you have that loss, if you have enough schedule, you give the committee a reason to, to, to look at you again. And that's what happened with Notre Dame. I mean, Notre Dame has a loss by one point at home to a, apparently an excellent Georgia team. And Notre Dame is rightfully, in my opinion, in the top four. So that's the benefit of scheduling. Yeah. Uh, noticeably absent from the top 25 is Michigan, Amal. And that's another place where the fans are starting to get a little restless. Now, Michigan is 6-2 and two on the season. I don't know if I entirely agree with them being out. 
Um, you know, Memphis is in there at seven and one. If Memphis and Michigan meet on a neutral field, what do you think's going down? I got I Michigan. You, you can have Memphis. I'll take Michigan. Yeah, I, Maybe I'll be wrong, but I'll take them. Right. So, um, but nevertheless, Michigan absent from the top 25. Should the fans be restless or is it just, this is the natural process and order of things and, I don't know know what they expected there. They were picked third in their division this year. Okay, it's a young team, Michigan. I mean, their defense is young. Um, That defensive line, they're going to be a bunch of monsters in the next couple seasons. Okay, they have some guys on defense that can really play football, but they're young. They were picked third in that division, so I don't understand what the fans are. I mean, if he goes 9-3 and with a young team, and let's say he even wins a bowl game and goes 10-3, and is that a bad season when you're that young? No, but not according to these fans. He hasn't won a big game, and now they're well, losing games. And listen, I don't want to piss any Michigan fans off. You know, you claim 11 national titles, which you do have. Do you know how many national titles Michigan has after 1925? Um, one? Two. 1948 and 1997 when the, uh, Nebraska and them rightfully shared one. Okay, so they've got two, okay? Not that there's anything wrong with that. Some schools have zero. But my point is, okay, a lot of Michigan's winning to the level that the fans expect was a long time ago, like pre-1930, okay? Mm-hmm. Two national titles. Yes, they won a lot of conference championships. I get that. Okay, okay, but Ohio State's been doing far more of the, you know, big-time winning in that conference than Michigan. I think there's a little bit of – what's the word I'm looking for? Delusion there. I mean, you know, they were nothing. They were garbage with Rodriguez and Hoke. This guy's got them relevant again. And, and most years, you know, right in the top 10, I don't understand what the fans want. Uh, yeah, you know what they want championship or bust. And that's, uh, that's all they're That's all they're thinking about here um, in Michigan. So they're going to, the pressure is going to be on, you know, the guy's going to be on the hot seat next year. Can you, can you like, it's a warm seat right now. Well, I'm not so sure. Listen, this is a whole year. other conversation. I'm not so sure he he's not leaving anyway. You you know I, who's going to be putting some money in front of his his under his nose, right? I'm not I'm not terribly certain that that's going to happen, and I know what you you're don't talking think? about. No, I'm not certain that that's going to happen. I just I just don't. Okay. You know, I, I might have I don't felt know. that way. It, it's a, a very convenient before. fit for me. <laughs> it seem, it would it would seem so, but I think there's some others that would be ahead of him in that. Believe it or not. So no, um, I believe we'll, you. we'll uncover that mystery for some fans down the road. Um, yeah, had you asked me this a year ago with uh, the other GM, yeah, I'd have jumped all, all over that. Um, but yeah. uh, not so much with what we've got here. All right, we need to take a break. When we get back, college football previews coming up and our picks, if you want them. We'll be back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoff. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. 
One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code Gridiron Studs when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code Gridiron Studs. Do it now! After a quick break here on the Gridiron Stud Show, Chad Wilson, Nicole Calamito, as we are every Friday, Football Friday edition, getting you ready for the weekend of high school, college, and NFL football. And right now, it's time to talk some college football here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Several good matchups this weekend. You know how we do it every week. We'll go through uh, some of these top matchups and some other interesting matchups and uh, give our picks at the end. Pretty interesting uh, Friday night matchup UCLA and Utah Amel. Hey, what do you think is behind these uh, better Friday football games in college football this season? Well, I mean, especially in the West Coast teams, I think it's a way to get, you know, East Coast fans watching a game that's featured without anything up against it. So, you know, instead of starting this game, say, at 1030, they start at 9, 930. And, you know, there's nothing else on to compete with it on the East Coast. So maybe I, I don't know, he, Amo, but isn't Friday a big go out and get drunk night? Who's really seeing these games? Uh, it's not a big. I mean, I go out on Friday night, but I mean, I'm home by nine. I mean, maybe for, for well, I guess when you're in your 20s, it's to go out and get drunk. Well, but, yeah, I mean, you're a square. I'm a square. Um, yeah, we're squares. Yeah, we're squares, but we're so we're, guys we're, like us. We're, we're going to be on the couch at 930. We're a drinking nation. Okay, so we are uh, you know what's going on. aren't we? Yeah, liquor's getting poured. We, we, we liquor up a little too much, and I, I'm not judging. I like my booze, but not that much. I'm not an alcoholic. We we, we gotta we have like our, our booze liquor. and our guns in this country. It's a <laughs> lovely combination. <laughs> booze and guns, right? It's like going to a Florida State game. Bring your gun, but leave it in the car. And man, what's a Friday night without Grey Goose and a Glock? Is Rosen playing in this game? Seriously, I mean, I, he I, is a question I know he's mark. questionable. Yeah, he is questionable. Emil, this was almost one of my picks. And in favor of UCLA. Now, this season, both you and I agree, we don't like UCLA as favorites. They just don't play enough defense to keep the back door closed if they get up on somebody. But make them an underdog with their comeback ability and their, their, their way to uh, press a button when they're getting beat pretty ugly makes them a pretty alluring pick when they're – you know, yeah, a, a, yeah, it is. Except, you know, they, they've got a two and six spread record. They're giving up 488 yards a game and 38 points a game. It's just, I know they're a dog here. And, and granted, Utah's in a slump. They're four and four, but Utah's five, two and one against the number. You know, I, I really struggle when teams don't play defense five, two as an underdog. One, one, two and one the last four weeks in which Correct. they are 0 and four straight up. Um, so, 
you know, both of these teams are not having I think that you I think that USC game, they put everything they had into that game and I think that seriously sent them into a tailspin when they they came up short 28-27 the next couple of weeks. Uh, Arizona State, they look like garbage. Yeah, I don't like the them. effort against Oregon. Bothers me. So if I was going, oh, effort against on. Oregon. The other thing I don't like what Utah's doing, they seem to want to go back to this sophomore quarterback. And the kid that played well against USC was the, the senior. Mm-hmm. He played against them last year in Provo in another close ball game and beat USC 31-27. That was Darnold's first start ever. He played mm-hmm. this game this year, played very well, lost 28-27. For some reason, uh, he, you know, he wants to go back to this younger kid, and I, I don't You're understand make the why. I don't follow. You're going to make the the kids from, from Hallandale High School, who we happened to play last week um, at American Heritage. So, you know, they're all in on their local talent. But, you know, I hear you. You've watched this closer than me. So you say the seniors outplayed the sophomore kid? Tyler well, the Huntley. game I saw him against USC, the senior played the same way he did the year before, and it was he played very well. I mean, um, you know, I look at their last four games. They've lost four in a row. They lost at home to Stanford by three, 23-20. Then USC, a game we talked about, 28-27 they lost. Then they just went out and completely crapped the bed and lost to Arizona State at home, 30-10, to and went up to Oregon and got beat by 21 points, and that's not a great Oregon team. So I'm with you. Yeah. I don't know who I, I think this is a game – you probably leave it alone if you're if you're trying. You know. Yeah, not to belabor this thing, not to belabor this thing. But if I was gonna go either way, gun to my a uh, gray goose in my hand and a Glock to my head, I'm taking UCLA. You know, because it's Friday night. <laughs> yeah, right. I hear you. Uh, another hear interesting you. game tonight for the locals. It's Marshall against Florida Atlantic. Why am I saying that? Because Lane Kiffin is on uh, the medium list of replacements for Jim McElwain. Uh, at Florida, which means his games now are going to be looked at more closely, more scrutinized, um, at least by the Florida Gator faithful here. They do have a game tonight, 6 p.m. at home in Boca Raton, Florida, as they take on Marshall. Uh, I don't have a pick on it. I won't be able to see it live. Uh, I may take the game, though, Emil, and and scrutinize it a little later. Yeah, I already well, know Mar- Marshall turned it over three times last week at home in a loss to Florida International and Butch Davis 41-30. Mm-hmm. If you force me on this one, I mean, I know Lane's got his team on a four-game winning streak, but I would take the points. I think this will end up being a pretty good ball game. I, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Yeah, Lane's going to have a couple extra watchers of uh, his game tonight and, and throughout the season, as will uh, Scott Frost at UCF. Um, staying on what the, the locals here and many of our listeners would want to talk about, Syracuse is taking on Florida State. Um, any other two teams with these records, we might not care as much, but as such, it is Florida State. They're um, involved in one of the worst seasons since Burt Reynolds was a hit in the box office, 2-5. and five. <laughs> Can they overcome Syracuse and avoid a 2-7 and seven or two and six start here to their season. I can't even say start. We're halfway through. Two and six probably Amo puts them out of a bowl, out of bowl contention. Man, I have to think of you know if they don't circle the wagons for this game and, and show some pride. You know, there's some real What's issues down the there. I mean, really. I mean, if you're Florida State and you played in a well, I don't think any of the guys there that played in a national championship. Maybe a maybe a handful, if my math is correct. Um, redshirt senior would have played in the national championship game. I might be wrong on that, um, but you've seen the glory days of Florida State, and now you're sitting here at two and five. You just got humiliated on the road on a Friday night against Boston College. 
What's the carrot in front of you as a Florida State football player right now? Well, there is none, but that's part of being a, uh, you know, a good athlete or a great athlete is, you know, sometimes it's no different than when you joined the rec basketball league when you were 30. I mean, there was nothing you're really playing for out there, but, but once that game started, you wanted to win, didn't you? I mean, <laughs> I sure. mean, I agree. It's going to be interesting. If I had to go a direction in this, I'd go Florida State, though. Um, it's a home game. Um, you know, maybe last week helped you come to a realization that this isn't just some fluke. Yeah, there's something going on. This is our season now. This is what we are this season. And we can forget about, you know, uh, whatever kind of bowl game we thought it was we we're going to go to. Uh, we knew we were out of this championship thing weeks before that. Now this is just who we are. Now we just play football. And I think if they just come down to just playing football against Syracuse in Florida State, can win this and cover six points. Yeah, that's how I feel. And I feel they have, you know, they obviously will have, I thought the better players, that doesn't mean they're going to win. I think if what you just said nailed, nailed in a nutshell, and I'm hoping there's some, you know, competitive pride here in this game for Florida state. So I would, I would take Florida state. Interesting game at three thirty on Saturday. It's Ohio state fresh off of um, the, I don't want to say it miracle win, but a great, strong, hotly contested emotional game. Uh, against Penn State that everyone was watching is on the road against Iowa as an 18-point favorite. Common conventional wisdom here would say fade Ohio State off of a game like that. How can you ever get up for Iowa? But I just know this about uh, Urban Meyer football teams. Once they get that one loss in the season, they tend to be focused week in, week out. Um, I like them as 18-point favorites in this game against Iowa. Uh, It's... it's a losing proposition on a whole, obviously. I, I hear your point on an individual game to lay double digits in college football on the road. It loses to the tune of two out of three lose. So I would either take Iowa or not play the game, only because I think Ohio State really, they have some games coming up now with Michigan State and Michigan. Iowa's one of those those places you can overlook. They tend to be exponentially better at home. Iowa is an average football team on a neutral field or on the road, but at home, they can be a problem at 18 points, a lot of points, man. It is, which is, you know, the fact that they put it at that, it's one of those psych out Yeah, it puts the antenna up. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Big, big, big game uh, in the ACC, 8 o'clock, primetime, Virginia Tech, Versus Miami, I got to admit, Amal, I was surprised to see Virginia Tech as a favorite in this game. I think it's a slap in the face of the Canes, who admittedly have won ugly in their last four games. They've just find a way to win at the end. And there's something to be said for a team like that. It's not one or two weeks. Four weeks in a row, they find ways to win football games. You're at home against a team that beat you up last year. Now you're an underdog. I'd be very surprised that the Canes didn't come out um, full of fire on on. Uh, in this game on Saturday night. Well, that that almost that's what took. I almost made this a pick. I expected to see Virginia Tech getting three points. I was going to take Virginia Tech. Um, then, between what you just said and the fact that I obviously would like to see Miami win the game, I, it was enough to just say, okay, well, the hell that I won't make it a pick. I, I just don't. I, I'm all for finding ways to win, and I think if you do that a couple times over the course of a whole season, two or three times, that's great. When I see you do it four weeks in a row, it concerns me considering the competition. I mean, I know Florida State's a rivalry game, so I'll give them a pass there. Georgia Tech, Syracuse, and North Carolina are not world beaters. Um, 
I'm concerned because the, the the you know they have they have this game in Notre Dame next week. Um, you know, I, I was tempted to take Virginia Tech, but I don't like the fact that they've made them a road favorite here. I, I really yeah, don't. Well, yeah, allow me to retort. Florida State, um, yeah, you said it, um, rivalry game. And Florida State was yes. thinking they were Florida State at that time. Georgia sure. Tech, always a tough football game for someone to get ready for. On the heels of those back-to-back tough football games, you got Syracuse, um, who was full of confidence. So, you know, maybe you have a little bit of an issue there. And then you and I talked about this last week. Um, it had to be extremely difficult to get up for that North Carolina game. And did, by any chance, did you see pictures of that stadium at around kickoff time? Oh, no, time? I made it a pick. I saw that one coming. I mean, hell, I was, I was on my There's way 11 to people right. at this game, Amal. Yeah. I mean, no, that was on, hard to get up for. Fan. That's hard to get up for. I, I agree with yeah. you. Listen, I'm not saying they can't win the game. and I'm Wins are wins. I mean, I said this last week on the show, win in advance. That's all this is about anymore. The days of style points are over. I mean, college football has parity. I'm just saying I'm concerned enough that I, if, if they were giving points, I would have considered Virginia Tech in this game. But I'm with you. I don't like the fact that they've made Virginia Tech a favorite here. I, I mean, their game against West Virginia to start the year, they weren't impressive even though they won. Um, they really haven't beaten anybody. They played Clemson, lost by a couple touchdowns. So, I mean, mm-hmm. there's, no, there's no signature win here for Virginia Tech mm-hmm. either. So, well, you know, I could yeah, easily see true, Miami winning true. this game. I'm bouncing all over the place, but I'm going to tell you what bothers me now if you're thinking about backing the Canes. Um, they've, been, they've been awful against the run. Let me, let me just be honest with you about it. Um, 176 last week against North Carolina. They gave up 264 versus Syracuse, 226 to Georgia Tech, which, you know, it's Tech, and they're going to run the hell out the ball. 203 to Florida State, 183 to Duke. And the last two weeks, they forced eight turnovers, and it was a one-score wins. That's, that's troublesome. And, and then, you know, last week, Carolina, um, a dismal football team, um, held you to 59 rushing. Those are troubling numbers for me. Maybe it's something that Vegas looked at in making the Canes an underdog here. Miami has to, has to, has to fix their rush defense quick, fast, and in a hurry, especially with this particular opponent coming to town. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, it, it, let's face it, they could just be on some borrowed time regardless because uh, Notre Dame's going to run the football, and um, if they don't fix it really fast, uh, they're going to give up 300 yards rushing in that game because Notre Dame's got two NFL, if not three, uh, quality offensive linemen and a back who's going to play on Sundays too. So um, <laughs> they're not going to make any, you know, they're going to tell you what they're going to do in advance. They're going to line up and they're going to run the ball. Yeah, I've uh, been very impressed with Notre Dame, something we didn't touch on when we were talking about the college football um, yeah. committee rankings. Um, I think they, they've done the right thing there with them. Uh, I just want to see at the end of the year how it shakes out with Notre Dame not playing a conference championship game. That's going to be the the big mystery and puzzle to see at the end um, where, where they drop them. Um, would you call this a dangerous game? Georgia back home after smashing their rival last week. Um, they're taking on South Carolina. They're 23-and-a-half-point favorites. What could possibly well, go wrong? I mean, dangerous in the sense that, it, you know, I'd consider a pick on South Carolina, but I don't think Georgia can lose. I don't think South Carolina's got enough offense yet to go in and win this game. Um, but they do play enough defense to make it a sloppy 24-10, 27-10 type game, 
where they mm-hmm. could easily fall under in this number cover it. So I mean, it's a, that's a, that's a big number. We have Bedlam, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Um, hey, it's good to see these two teams really back on on, on the top of their games. Um, I found myself with a little free time yesterday and was watching the 88 matchup between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Amel, you know, we're roughly the same age. You know, 1988 was a pretty good year for college football. Yeah, well, Sanders was there then. Sure. And I was looking at it, and, you know, I look at things as a defensive coordinator a lot. How do you prepare for that guy? I mean, he was amazing. That, and let me tell you something, that Oklahoma offense, uh, I'd almost forgotten um, how good it was, you know, uh, namely because – my school was wasn't Keith you know, Jackson get playing then or no? Was that Keith Jackson the tight end no, playing he, or no? Was no, he, he was gone. He was gone by then. But you had a backfield of Stafford and and Geddes, uh, if you could remember those names, and Charles Thompson, uh-huh. um, oh, Mr. Yeah. Cocaine himself, um, yes. had controls. So yes, I mean, '88 was. was a good year, but it was a it was a really good game to watch. And we have we have two top teams right here in the big 12, Oklahoma and Oklahoma state getting after it. And Oklahoma state is a slim two and a half point favorite against Oklahoma. I almost uh, want to lead in that I'm direction. On Oklahoma in this game. Um, I like, yeah, I, I like, I like that. Mayfield. I like Mayfield. Yeah. Yeah. I was leaning in that direction. Um, the, you know, the two and a half says something, doesn't it? That a little half point that they, that the odds makers didn't want to give you or nevertheless, you know, they did open up as three-and-a-half-point favorites. Let me say that. It's been, it, it got whacked down early in favor of Oklahoma. And, if I, again, uh, gray goose in my hand and a glock to my head, I'm going to go with Oklahoma in this one. Well, you know, the two things, Chad, I'm looking at is Rudolph the last couple of games has failed to pass for uh, 300 yards, which in that offense says a lot because that's what they do. They've also turned the ball over 13 times in their last six ball games. Four last week. The only thing that saved them against West Virginia, a pick you made, um, was that West Virginia gladly gave it back five times in that game. Um, I, I just think this is one of those games where the sloppiness of Oklahoma State might catch up with them. Yeah, um, I have that feeling as well. And, I, you know, I think Oklahoma's been written off a bit because of what happened with Iowa State. But don't look now. Iowa State happens to be a pretty good football team. Campbell doing an awesome job coaching um, a place that's very, very difficult to win, and it's always been that. So maybe we don't hold that Iowa State loss against uh, Oklahoma. Well, I don't think you, you know, can. As much as we not, not based on what they've done after that. I mean, in, in their other ball games, their two losses were by three points at Iowa, which we talked about earlier, and they lost by 10 to Texas, and Texas is certainly not a bad football team. So, no, I mean, I think with that win against TCU last week, we see that Iowa State's a legitimately good team this year. Yeah. Florida and Missouri, 12 noon kickoff. This is what happens when you lose games. You, your games start earlier and earlier. Florida's a couple losses away from um They might you know, be doing that London game. schedule soon. They might be kicking yeah, off playing at a game at breakfast time. Yeah. Missouri, uh, Amel, is a three-point favorite in this contest. Um, you know, I don't pick. I don't pick Florida games, but the three and five Missouri. I picked them. I got one for you on this. All righty then. Here's a line that's not a good look for the conference. LSU and Alabama, um, bell cows um, of this conference. Alabama's a 21-point favorite in this game against LSU. Not a good looking. Well, you got two of those games this weekend because the Georgia game you said earlier, people don't – I mean, South Carolina is not a bell cow, but they're six and two. 
They're catching 23. No, they're not a got pillar, six- man. These are two pillars. This is LSU. Yeah. This is Alabama. It should be three, three and a half. Um, it should be it should it it should be broadcasted everywhere. It should be hyped. Alabama's a twenty-one point. Yeah, it tells you what the what Vegas thinks of of LSU as as well as Alabama. LSU comes in here six and two, good football team on paper, and uh, you know they're like you said they're three touchdown underdogs. And frankly, you with a gun to my head, you couldn't get me to take those three touchdowns. I'm taking LSU. Are you? Yeah, I'm taking the Tigers. Man, that's ridiculous. Maybe I'm just fighting against evil. I'm taking LSU in this game. Uh, no, I'm not. Saban's pissed. He's number two in the country. He's got the yeah. guys all lathered up. They're going to smash LSU. That's just my opinion. Penn State, can they – and let me tell you something. Um, a noon start after a week like last week, I'm, I'm trying to think what kind of effect that has. Um, I think you want to get back out on the field as quickly as possible and falling short of having a Thursday game. This is as quick as it can be. I'm concerned, though, about Penn State's mental state in a game against a tough Michigan State team. Well, I'm concerned about more than the mental state. That game last week, I mean, first of all, you know, if Ohio State doesn't have a new special teams coach this week, they're going to have one next year because they that was awful okay they gave up a kickoff return for a touchdown another one that took it down to their 20 and basically handed them another touchdown they had a kickoff short the whole game after that cuz they weren't they were worried they couldn't cover kicks and then they fumbled and Penn State returned it to their 20 and eventually scored a touchdown Penn State had 21 points gift wrap for them you're supposed to win that game they had 18 point leads twice in the game 11 going into the fourth quarter their offensive line was exposed last week i've been saying this all year Barkley is a generational player. This kid is masking a lot of things up front. Penn State can't block teams like Ohio State. And Michigan mm-hmm. State's got a good defensive line. I'm concerned for them in this game. Barkley had 44 yards rushing last week. He didn't hit Amal, I, yards. I, Look, something was glaring to me in that game as I sat down and watched it. Um, it was Penn State's inability to run the ball when they had a significant lead in this game to, to keep the defense off the field, to salt the game away, to change, the, to flip the field position. Uh, I mean, that line was a sieve. I mean, there, there were two, three guys in the back. That everything looked like a screen towards the end of the game. Well, let me ask you this, and here's another thing I have a problem with. I mean, I know Moorhead's done a lot to fix that offense. The offense they run, though, it requires Barkley to basically stand next to the quarterback, take handoff seven yards deep, and flat-footed. I was, I, I'm just never a I mean, fan that's of football that. now, though, Emil. I, I know, mean, but I'm just – I like my guy moving towards the line with a, with a head of steam. I mean, here's Penn State's last that's four That's next games. year for Barkley, okay? It's soon enough. Yeah, it's just they ran 39 yards. They had 39 yards rushing against Indiana. This is a game they won by 31 points. They ran the ball for 39 yards. They beat Northwestern by 24 points. They ran it for 95 yards. Finally, that game, they beat Michigan. They did have a couple hundred yards rushing. Last week at Ohio State, 35 t- attempts for 91 yards in a game they led for, for 58 minutes. Okay, they they had 91 yards rushing in a game they led for 58 minutes. So Penn State's a fraud is what you were telling me. I'm not saying they're a fraud. I'm saying they have some issues. Just come out and say up, it up front. It. And I think they're gonna they could be exposed in a game. The only concern if you're taking Michigan State is Michigan State's no offensive juggernaut either. Okay, so right. 
I do like nine points at home, though. I think Michigan State's going to come to play in this game. Penn State spanked them last year. They were throwing the ball with three minutes left in the game, and don't think D'Antona didn't mention that to his team this, uh, for this game on Saturday. Yeah, if I'm leaning in any direction, it would be for the home team, Michigan State, catching nine. And the last one we're going to talk about before we get into our picks, Stanford and Washington State, big Pac-12 North matchup. Washington State, a slim two-point favorite. A little bit of the luster has been knocked off of uh, the Cougars here after starting off the season 6-0. and They're 1-2 and in their last three. Uh, where do you go with this one? Stanford's on a nice five-game. Stanford looking like Stanford the last five weeks. Well, the last week against Oregon State, 15-14. If Love's not in this game, I can't back Stanford. That team... I mean, they, they played Oregon State 15-14 and had 220 yards of offense in the game without love. Um, they're going to a, a redshirt freshman this week, Costello, at quarterback. That concerns me. Uh, I think Washington State will make a stand here and win this game at home. I think that screwball is going to get another I don't win. know, Amo, like Khalil Tate is still scoring touchdowns against Washington State, and it's I Friday. I understand. I understand, but... <laughs> 310 yeah. yards rushing, 275 passing last week. It was very much a Washington State game, though, because uh, State threw for 600. They had Amel. They attempted 84 passes. What in blue hell is going on? Uh, I, I, have no, I have no idea. 84 uh, pass I, attempts, that's crazy. It's nuts. It's nuts. And Leach always scares me. He's he's nuts. And, you know, I, I, I'm tepidly, there's a word for you, picking Washington State in this game, but just based on the fact that Love's banged up and they're starting a redshirt freshman on the road. But if Stanford wins, you, I won't be shocked. Right. All right. Uh, let's jump into the picks. Um, I had a decent week last week. You, not so much. It's kind of oh, been... Oh, wait, like, wait, wait. You had a decent week. No, you no, were one my and bad. two in college. That's a decent week. <laughs> Get the hell out of it. Our college picks last week, let me recap. Chad was one and two. He had West Virginia with their five turnovers. That was a hard yeah, one to swallow. Yeah, won't do that. It won't do that. He had Ohio State, as did I. They won the game, failed to cover, and you had a, actually a very clever pick on Oregon. You, you nailed that one. They they kicked Utah's butt up and down the field. Myself, I uh, had Ohio State as a loser. I took North Carolina against the Canes um, and covered that one. And then I took a tie in a game I felt I should have won. Clemson dominated it. Uh, Wake Forest scored, or uh, Georgia Tech scored late, pushed the game. Yeah, they so dominated Georgia Tech. And, you know, backdoor action. But so you should have been. One and one for me, one and two for you. You were good in the pros. We'll get, uh, in the pros, Chad went two and one. He had the Bears. He had the Buffalo Bills, both winners. Took a loss on the 49ers, as did I. Uh, 49ers, they really suck. So you were two and one in the pros. I was one and two in the pros. I had those 49ers. I had the Seahawks giving five. They failed to cover. Uh, we'll talk about Deshaun Watson later. And then I had my Cowboys as only a two-point favorite. They won by 14. Easy win there. So I was one and two. So now let's get hey, to our well, picks. Well, you know, since, since, you're, since you're better than me right now in college football, it, it makes sense that I should go first. I'm going to stay sure. in one conference. Uh, this week, and I'm, that that conference is going to be the lovely Pac-12, um, wow. and I'm going to kick this thing off. Yeah, that's that's going to be me this week. All Pac-12, all Pac-12 action. Um, I'm going to start off with um, the guys in Tempe, Arizona State, taking on Colorado. Um, I'm 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 impressed with Arizona State. We fired the coach. Remember that? Remember when we fired the sure. coach? Yep. <laughs> we said he was blitz happy. 
Um, it was uh, what do you call it? A casino defense. I think he that has was the, the casino defense. Come up with yes, he does. Yeah, yes, and we pretty much fired. We fired the the guy, and it's him and and the other guy in Arizona have come back pretty strong. So I got to give him some credit for that. Last year, Arizona State went to Colorado, and they were treated rather rudely. Lost forty to sixteen in that contest. Well, things are a little different. Colorado's not that Colorado from last year. Arizona State, obviously, not the Arizona State from last year. They haven't forgotten how they were dealt with up in Boulder, and I think Arizona State comes out in this one uh, hot, on fire, and, and ready. And I just think three points is, a, is a, a small number for them to ask, given what's at stake here for them, especially with the revenge angle. So I'm going to back Arizona State and say that things keep going. Um, they didn't play very well last week, obviously, but um, I think they're motivated off of that loss and motivated off of what happened last year. I get double motivation here and only a three-point number to cover. I'm going to go with Arizona State. In this game. Okay. Um, Washington. Yeah. Washington, a damn good football team this year. Um, Got a little bit of a message when the rankings came out. They're taking on an Oregon team whose head coach is um, in in rumor to be uh, going to Florida, possibly be in the running. One of the top five names on the list for Florida. I don't know how true that is. Nevertheless, it's out there that he has expressed interest in that job once you start doing that in season bad news bad news for your team bad news for you finishing down the stretch i think you're combining that with uh with a washington team that needs some impressive wins and the only way to do that is to eat what's on your plate and that happens to be oregon i like washington in this game uh oregon just did not look by the way i love that pick i almost made it a pick don't forget oregon spent about 10 years spanking Washington until last season. They don't forget that up there. They hate Oregon. If you if you yeah. follow Pac twelve football, Washington mm-hmm. hates Oregon and they they yeah. hate each other. Yeah, so, folks. yeah. Yeah, don't don't get distracted by the forty one twenty win over Utah last week. Um um Oregon's put down some stinkers, thirty three to ten against Washington State, forty nine to seven against Stanford. Uh Washington went out last week and beat up UCLA forty four twenty three. I see something similar even uh, more uh, as they take on Oregon at home. 17 is not too much to ask here. I think they're going to pound them. And then the yeah. last one is uh, is uh, Arizona taking on your boys um, on the road. Look, USC's up and down this year. I just don't uh, – against a team like this, as hot as Arizona is, um, as good as they can do running that football right now, you know, USC not killing it defensively. They've not had the strongest rush defense, and when I see this team coming in here, Emil, look at these um, look at these numbers: 310 yards rushing last week, 345 the week before, 457, 425. Um, they had a 326 yard rushing performance. Emil, a lot of these are against conference foes. These are these aren't you know these aren't against yeah, sure. Southeast. Yeah, uh, listen, I I like Arizona's ability to keep this game close and possibly even possibly even win it. USC comes in off of a a huge 48-17 win against Arizona State. Um, I don't know if they've got the proper mindset coming into this game to take on what Arizona's coming with. This is a very difficult game, and I like Arizona catching more than a touchdown here. So that's where I'm going. Arizona plus 7.5, Washington minus 17, Arizona State as a three-point favorite against Colorado. Okay. Well, now – 
Again, once again, we share a pick in college. Uh, you know, I'll start with the one we share. I like Arizona State giving three. I think there's some recency bias in this uh, spread. Uh, people last week saw Arizona State get a complete beatdown at home at the hands of USC, 48-17. But prior to that, they've been playing some good football. They totally shut down an excellent Washington team at home. They totally shut down Utah at home. I expect that last week was a wake-up call. It will motivate them this week, and I, and I really do expect them to go in there and blow out Colorado. I think you're going to see the best of Arizona State on Saturday. Um, mm-hmm. Moving to a noon start. Thank God it's not a 9.30 start. Um, I'm going to take the Gators plus three. I love coaching changes the first couple weeks in college football. I think what happens is, you know, you, you get a fresh face, a fresh message in there. It's a wake-up call a lot of times to the players that, hey, our coach just got a fired. Fresh quarterback, too, by the way, as Malik Zaire has been named the starter for the game. Yes. You get a lot of freshness, and, you you know, you get sometimes it's like a reset button for players. They look and say, well, we, we were so bad our coach got fired. And, right. you know, I'm hoping that's a motivator. Here and I think you know Florida's got more talent than Missouri, and I'm getting three points, so I'll gladly take those three with the Gators. And then mm-hmm. finally, I'm going out to. We talked about this team earlier, Wisconsin. They're undefeated. I think the popular narrative this week is they're going to be pissed that they're ninth, and they're going to come out and lay it on somebody. I wouldn't be so sure of that. Um, Indiana is one of those teams that when they're home, they're just a pain in the ass. And they'll usually figure out a way to against these kind of good teams to hang in the game and make it interesting, and then at the end figure out a way to not win it when they should. I mean, they've done it the last couple of years. They've had games against Michigan and Ohio State at home in the last two or three years where you figure they were going to break through and win the game, and they'll lose it at the end. But, damn, they've played them close. And Wisconsin's I think, top rusher also questionable for this game. Jonathan Taylor has been just about everything for that offense. Well, right, right, and I pointed to some really you know stout defensive efforts that Indiana's made, uh, holding Penn State to 39 yards rushing. They held uh, Michigan State to 89. Even last week, Maryland 40 attempts for 174. It's not like they're killing it; they're getting four yards a carry. I think they can hang in there. Uh, Wisconsin's not a dynamic offensive team typically, so I will uh, take 13 and a half with Indiana at home in that game. Well, there you go. I, I think I, I I like that pick, especially the whole you know, psychological part of it um, where people may want to say, well, Wisconsin's going to be pissed or undefeated and they're going to just go out and smash everybody. Um, I don't know if that's the case. It's like we've won every game. What else, you know, it might have. Yeah, an I'm, not, I'm not sure that's them. I mean, just because you're angry doesn't mean that you can do what you want to do. I mean, a lot of angry teams go out there and lose on Saturdays. <laughs> yeah, uh, very true. And how much have we seen at the end of the year where there are must-win situations and teams go out and just get completely knocked sideways so uh not always an indicator what's going to happen uh let's jump real quick no need to take a break here let's jump right into our nfl picks we'll do that and then we'll you know jump into some uh and talking about some other games that are not necessarily on our pick plate um it's nfl um i'm i'm ahead of you there so you go first in the nfl okay i'm gonna swallow hard with this one but i think um this has the potential to be just an ugly, sloppy, close, tight game. And, I, you know, I'm going to take the Broncos with seven and a half against the Eagles. Uh, I think they're making a quarterbacking change here. Uh, it sounds like they may be going to Paxton Lynch. Uh, the Broncos turned it over three or four times against the Chiefs on Monday night. And the game was still a tight Paxton ball. Lynch, my man? Pardon me? You're going to trust Paxton Lynch? You know what I trust here? This is Denver's season. 
Um, they're three and four. Four and four you can recover from. Three and four, three and five, you're pretty much done. I think the defense is going to play well here, and maybe a game plan where they, they, they keep it conservative is better. They fumbled it on Monday night. They kicked it around. They were still in that ball game going into the fourth quarter. And I think the Eagles may have a case of they're 7-1. and one. Um, They've had some easy games lately, and they may just look overlook Denver. They're headed to a bye week, uh, and then the following week they have Dallas. They may just, just kind of overlook Denver, and I think 7.5 allows Denver to hang in there, lose the game, and still cover it if they do lose. Mm-hmm. So I'll take 7.5 mm-hmm. with the Broncos there. It seems like a lot of points for a good defensive club. All right. um, I'm going to swallow hard on this one but it's a situational play. I'm going to take the New York football giants at home getting three and a half points against the uh, the Rams. They're coming off a bye. It's a one o'clock game on the East Coast. The Rams have spent uh, basically two weeks taking the cheese, as Bill Parcells used to say. I mean, back-to-back wins uh, at Jacksonville. And then over in London against Arizona, they beat them 33 nothing. That's a shutout win. You spend two weeks thinking how good you are. You're 5-2. and two. You're reading power rankings. You're in the top seven, top six. And now you've got to go across the country and play a terrible New York Giants team who's 1-6 and six at 1 o'clock. I'll take the three-and-a-half points in the Giants. All righty. And then finally, they were good to me last week. I'm rolling with them again. Uh, back to that Monday night game. I'm going to take the Cowboys giving two to the Chiefs. Chiefs played Monday Night Football. Denver handed them the ball all night, consistently turning it over. And really, it took the Chiefs a while to put that game away. And if you really study the Chiefs defensively this year, they're not the same club. They're giving up 392 yards a game. And that's over eight games. That's a pretty good sample size. And even on that Monday night game, Denver ran that football for 177 yards. It's a lot of yardage in the NFL, and I was going to take Dallas whether Elliott was playing or not. Now that I know Elliott's playing, I like it even more because you know what the Cowboys are going to do. They're going to run the ball, and they found their running game the last, the last few weeks. They've, they've run it for well over 150 yards four weeks in a row going back to that Rams game. So I just don't see Kansas City holding up against that run game of the Cowboys, and uh, I'll lay the two points and the Cow- take the Cowboys. Man, you've been seriously messing around with those Dallas Cowboy games. You've shown no fair pick in their games this year. I went against them too, so I'm not homering it. Yeah, I didn't. You know, I didn't say that. You're just no, but I mean, well, listeners way. might think he just takes them every week. I, I mean, I went against the Cowboys in spots this year. I took the no, Packers. If you're, I, a, if you're an avid listener to this show, and this is not your first week listening to it, um, you know, you're not the average. Um, you're not the average fan just picking games. You know, there's, there's no, I mean, I, I, this one, good. Chad, I just don't like, you know, the matchup there. I went back, and, I, you know, sometimes as a fan, you don't pay attention. And I go back to the Rams game. Cowboys ran it for 189 yards against the Rams, 163 yards against the Packers, 265 against the 49ers, 169 in the rain last week in Washington. And I got a Kansas City team that's given up gobs of yards on the ground, over 130 yards a game on the ground the Chiefs are allowing. It doesn't yeah. seem like a good matchup on a short week for the Chiefs coming off a Monday night win. Um, yeah, I can feel you on that. All right, here's where I'm going. Um, I don't know if I'll regret this, but I'm going to take the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, at home. They're six-point favorites in this game. Um, 
ordinarily a team off of a shutout win with a bye week is not something I'd lean on. But, you know, Emil, you know, paid attention, obviously, to the Cincinnati Bengals last week, taking on the Indianapolis Colts. Um, I happen to know a player on the Colts pretty well. Um, the Colts are not a good football team, and Cincinnati had all kinds of trouble um, getting a W against them. And, you know, I, you know, I was big on Cincinnati when this season started, but something's not right there. And then you had the whole situation uh, with A.J. McCarron this week. I don't know what's, what, what the deal is with the Cincinnati Bengals, but it just shouldn't be like this. You, and, you know what uh, sticks out and why I love this pick you just made? The Bengals are only running the ball for 78 yards a game, okay? Jackson and they should be running game. it for more, Emil. It really should be. I mean, Joe Mixon's a good running back. It should be better than that. No, but here's my point where you're going. The Jacksonville Jaguars are only giving up 16 points a game and 300 yards, which in today's NFL, that's some stout defense. As you saw in that Colts game last week, Cincinnati cannot block. They cannot pass protect for Andy Dalton. It showed up the last couple weeks against the Steelers and Colts. Without a running game, and with the way Calais Campbell and some of those guys are playing up front for Jacksonville, I don't see how Cincinnati keeps Dalton healthy in this game. And I'm serious. I mean, it was all, it was just about a lucky win for Cincinnati last week. I mean, the Colts had the ball with a lead, and they you know throw a pass, and it gets batted up in the air, and Dunlap takes it in for a touchdown. That's how you beat the Colts, who uh, have two wins this year, both of them against winless you know football teams. So, um, and that was a home game. Jacksonville's defense, I had I saw it live and in person. I was in I was in the stadium in their game against the Colts. That defense is for real. Um, and I see Andy Dalton spending a lot of time on his back in this game, and I just don't see it for them. Jacksonville playing well. They've alternated wins and losses. I think it's time for them to get a two-game win streak, and I like them in this game at home um, against whatever it is Cincinnati's trying to do. Uh, I'm going to agree with you on this pick, Emil. This, this is a, a nice setup right here. The Rams, yep, been flying high, taking the cheese. I just cannot support. This has been a good um, situation system for me through the years. Fade a road favorite who had a shutout win last week. They just are not in tune with reality typically when they head out that next week. Yes, the Giants suck. Yes, the Giants are having all types of issues. Yes, they've had to suspend uh, another player this week. Yes, they may not have a tremendous amount of respect for their head coach. But at the end of the day, they are professionals. And um, if they feel like it, they can go out there and win a game. And I think that's what happens here against the Rams. I'm with you on the Giants pick, so I'm going to – I'm going to uh, second that and go with the New York Giants. And then finally, um, the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, I know it was Deshaun Watson. And by the way, that's a terrible injury that's happened. That is just horrible. Sick. I'm sicker about that than what happened with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, what, what, a, what an so exciting young player. I mean, he's had ACL oh, yeah. throughout his life. I mean, I think he, he t- blew both of them out in high school even. So yeah, um, this is uh, yet this another might be ACL. like his fourth one in his life. I think he had one at Clemson early in his career. Maybe I'm wrong there, but I know he did it, both of them in high school. So he's yeah, going on his, terrible. his third. I watched a replay of their game, Seattle and Houston. Man, I was fully entertained. And you know me. I'm not big on the high-scoring old school whack conference type games, but it was extremely entertaining. Um, I saw something that Richard Sherman even alluded to this week. Um, that's the best any quarterback has done against that Legion of Boom defense. Um, and yes, a lot of it is Deshaun Watson. Some of it too is there are holes in that Seattle defense that I think Washington can take advantage of to a certain degree. Yeah. Kirk Cousins is certainly not Deshaun Watson, but Washington has some weapons and they can do some things on, uh, you know, on their side of the ball on offense, and they're coming into this game 
off of a off of a you know a division loss against the Dallas uh, against the Dallas Cowboys, and I think they come in here super motivated. The Seattle Seahawks got away with one, and then next week they've got a matchup, actually a Thursday night matchup um, against a division foe, Arizona. I just don't think Seattle is going to be on point enough to cover seven points in this game. So I think Washington's a good play here as a seven point underdog. So Washington plus seven, Giants plus three and a half, and then the Jaguars are at home as six point favorites. Read them and weep. Read them and weep. I like, yeah, I like all your picks, but they all, don't they all seem great on, on a Friday? They're always awesome on Friday, and then you get into the games, and then uh, you you think your score app's broken. So yeah, um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's yeah. where we are. And if you're listening to us, you you know what the deal is. I was just having this discussion with someone today. He's like, you have some teams, especially in college football, that just have mastered the art of uh, not covering the spread. So you'll have a you'll have a 22 and a half point dog. They have a ten. They have a ten point lead in the third quarter. You make a grocery run, you come back, they're down 24, and the app says the team uh, they're playing against has the ball in the red zone. You're like, what the, what the hell happened? I went away for 11 you, minutes. You know what you, know you realize when we do this every week, because we, you and I are football fans, not necessarily professional gamblers by any means, but you realize how, how good these guys, everybody thinks there's some guy with a cigar and no neck making these lines in Vegas, and it's far from it. There's a bunch of guys with spreadsheets and degrees from Ivy League schools and you realize how good they are making these point spreads. That's what you realize. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I guess, you know, if it's your business to do that, then uh, I suspect you better be good at it. Well, nevertheless, my friend, your part of this deal is up. You get to go enjoy your Friday night. You got your Grey Goose and your Glock ready? Uh, I got my bourbon. Uh, no Glock. No Glock. I do have a gun, but I keep it locked. It's for protection. I'm not someone that's walking around yeah. strapped, okay? <laughs> yeah, keep it, keep it locked up there, cowboy. Yeah, all keep right? it locked up. Enjoy, okay. Enjoy you have a good weekend. weekend, everybody. Enjoy the games. Good luck in the high school games tonight, and we'll catch you next week. All right. Amos out. Joshua Wilson is in when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show, talking high school football. Sure, summer's gone, winter's here, but that doesn't mean everyone's putting their t-shirts away. Whether it's the company recreational basketball team, the youth soccer league for the kids, or the Halloween party your buddy throws every year, t-shirts are as much a part of the American culture as Tom Brady deflating footballs. Screen printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay even higher prices. More colors, more costly. The answer? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. Whether it's your 7-on-7 team, your child's birthday party, or the family reunion, you can do it yourself and they'll look great. That's right, with heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, do the wording whatever you want, print it on your own inkjet paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, and iron it on with your own hand iron. The design or pictures you put on your t-shirts are limited only by your own imagination and creativity. If you dream it up and design it, the paper soul at t-shirtsupplies.com can get it onto your t-shirt. By the way, don't worry if you haven't done it before. As T-Shirt Supplies has first-rate customer service, they'll help you get the right paper for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them at t-shirtsupplies.com. That's t-shirt, no hyphen, supplies pearl, all one word, dot com. Or call them 
at 1-877-857-2737. 1-857-85-PAPER. T-ShirtSupplies.com. Go there now. Hey, hey, hey. Do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoffs. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one day contest for $25 and get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! What are you doing? I'm doing some sweet bung chow moves. I'm a little better than everyone else here. Erickson, you must follow direction. You rack a discipline. Nuh-uh, I don't rack a discipline. Minasa, you all need more discipline. True discipline come from within. Eleven twenty on a Friday here on the Gridiron Stud Show Football Friday edition of the Gridiron Stud Show. Out with the college, out with the NFL, in with the high school football in the state of Florida. It's the final week of the regular season. Points got to get tallied up. All kind of things got to go on to figure out who's in, who's out, and how it's all going to line up. And who better to have on to sort out all the mess and talk about the big games coming up in this final week than Joshua Wilson from FloridaHSFootball.com. Josh, you got your pencil and your paper and your calculator out? And maybe the protractor and the algebra book. <laughs> yeah, get it, get it all out, man. We got to figure this thing out. Um, we're down here to this last week. How much is on the line this week, um, or are things pretty much settled? Oh, there's a lot on the line this week. You th- uh, hey, hey, let, let, let's start going a little uh, not too far north from where you are at and uh, – Go over the go over to the muck area, Bell Glade, with the muck ball tonight. No big game, time. The, the muck ball carries probably more weight this year than it has in the last twenty some years. Yeah, tell the folks what's at stake here tonight in this muck bowl, other than just the good old pride of the muck. Uh, playoff first for both Pahokee and Glade Central. That's what's on the line here, basically. I mean, for Pahokee, Pahokee, you want to win. You want to win this game. You're Pahokee. You want to win. You want to beat the Raiders 
in Belle Glade because that might likely help you secure that number one seed in Region 4. You're Glade Central. You want to win this game because then it locks it, – it basically it basically locks out potentially Governor Prep trying to sneak back in or, you know, hey – I mean, at worst case scenario, but everybody's it really. I it, it's it, you know, Governor Prep's probably the biggest threat for Glade Central at this point for a playoff berth because right. Booker T. Washington is pretty much out of the uh, out of the scenarios here at this point because of the well, and Booker T's not playing this week either, so they're done. Their season's over with. So yep, it's, it, it, a strange it's, occurrence there, no doubt. It's a strange occurrence in that in that sense, I and mean, it really. But you know, you, you talk about the Muck Bowl really riding for playoff first. This is it. I mean, it's. I mean, there's a lot of these games where it's you know it's you, you win, you probably get a playoff berth. If you lose, you're out. It's it's. I mean, this this is really you know. I mean, last year, last few years when we talked about week eleven, we, we didn't have this much emphasis. Meaningless. Week 11. Yeah, it was meaningless. meaningless. Yeah, well, we already know our playoff matchups. This week's just really not, yeah, blah. No, this week has got everything riding on it. I mean, even even tomorrow's Reigns rebolt matchup at two, even at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I mean, in Northwest Jacksonville, that matchup, I mean, that's, both teams are, both, both teams are. Yeah, well, why don't, are, why, don't we do, why don't we do this? We'll just start in 8A. We've got about 20 minutes here. Let's just start in 8A and just kind of run through things here, and, and uh, you can let us know um, what, What's hot and on fire here tonight or this weekend that's going to uh, make a difference in each one of these classifications? Obviously, I'm going to be a little partial to the southern the southern regions here, um, but right, starting off right here in 8A, anything pressing that we need to really pay attention to um, in 8A tonight or this weekend? Well, if you're you're, you're you're Spruce Creek, you definitely you know in 8A, you definitely you know in 8A Region One, you Spruce Creek, you definitely want to win over New Smyrna Beach because then that will help you secure a playoff spot. Boone, you still want to you, you Boone, you want to win over Edgewater. Edgewater's hot in 7A, which they're 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 district champs, so Edgewater's going to the playoffs. So you want to you want to up in Edgewater's hopes of securing maybe a number two seed in 7A Region One. So if you're Boone, you want to win that game. And that's a, that's the oldest rivalry in Orlando, by the way. So that's a and right. actually this will be 60th game between the two schools tonight. Mm-hmm. So that's huge. But you're you're in this situation. Uh, I mean, I'm going to take a look at looking at some things. You know, Yapaka, you definitely want to beat Overridge because you know you you you're, you're and this is going to be one of these interesting scenarios, things that you know people are going to look at and they're going to like, well, you know, Apopka went one and two in the district. West Orange went two and one because Wakaiva and Wakaiva and West Orange beat Apopka, but Apopka is going to jump West Orange for to get in. West Orange is not going to make the playoffs. And but this is what this point system is supposed to do. It's supposed to, mm-hmm. you know, you know, not just look at the district record. It's the right. overall body of work. And you know, look at Apopka's schedule. Apopka played a way a heck of a lot tougher schedule than West Orange did. And mm. I, you know, I still believe, you know, even though they dropped those two district games, hey, Apopka should be going, not West Orange. Uh, this is what, I mean, you want the best teams in possible. This is it. This is where it's at. And, and, and basically in that, and, you know, going, looking at 8A Region 2, a team that really, you know, started off slow, you know, weather really kind of impacted them. The Hurricanes kind of had, the Hurricane kind of had a really impact on it. Manatee. I mean, what well, well, yeah. are not they're the hurricanes too, by the way. So, but Manatee, you know, for for them, for all their struggles, here they are, pretty much, almost, basically, potentially in the playoffs now. I mean, that you know, it's it's a good thing for them because now it's like, well, you, you started off slow, here you are, 
You know, all you have to do is, I, I mean, I, I, for, for Manatee, the thing is, though, is that they've got, they've got Venice tonight. I mean, Venice is a 20-point favorite, to our, according to our buddy Joe Pinko. So, I mean, it, the thing for Manatee is good. it's not looking good, but, but they, you know, it, it, they, they won the games they needed to in the district except beating Sarasota Rivie, which it didn't do. But they could really, in this case, you know, here's a here's a chance for them to do something, you know, that they could, you know, if they they're probably going to lose the game, but they're mm-hmm. much likely playoffs just because they've got the points now in in certain position. But hopefully, like it's for everybody next year, hopefully 2018, those Hurricanes can either not form or stay away from here. <laughs> we don't need them. Uh, is is it is it me, Josh, or does Region Three and Eight A look like it's really wide open? God. That you know, that's it. Seems to sound like you know wide open. You mean you've got Miramar, you got Miramar sitting at the two seed, Deerfield sitting at the one seed. You mean right the second in the projected. You mm. know, it's you know, and, and I think what really I think the the most interesting thing that really came out of the um, thing here was that um, in in this whole entire situation, this uh, you know, the, looking at the scenarios this week when it came out, you know, you saw mm-hmm. Douglas jump. And, you know, and backdoor themselves. Yeah, how about that? The, I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure the people at Park Fist are not very happy about that right this second. So sure. that's that thing. But um, you know, looking at, I mean, Douglas right this second, and they got Plantation tonight. Plantation is a 25 point favorite. So and you're in Park Vista's got Palm Beach Gardens a 21 point favorite. So Douglas's playoff hopes, they need to upset Plantation here to really kind of lock down that eighth seed, in my opinion. Well, Otherwise, okay, well let's. Let, let's say b- both teams lose by the prescribed amount of points Pinkos has put out there. What, what do you think happens? I mean, if Park Vista somehow loses to Palm Beach Gardens, and that's gonna, that, that'll whole, shake up the whole entire thing anyways. But, I mean, if, I mean, if Douglas can – I mean, for, for Plantation, it, hurt, it would hurt them more than – in a sense, then it would hurt Douglas because mm. actually will help us in that sense that they upset on Plantation. They might, you know, get hurt a little bit because – I mean, we're talking okay. Plantation sitting here at the fifth seed. Oh well, you could slip. You could you could see Western jump over you for that for that fifth seed. You could you could slip right. back and you know you're you're talking a whole different scenario of okay. Well, where am I going to go play at this week compared to where I'm going to go play? You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, those those things end open. up changing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, no doubt about it. Um, Sliding into Class Seven A, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time there. You know, it's probably uh, one of the more boring classifications that we have because for you know for years it's been St. Thomas and everyone else. Let's talk about that though in region in 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 region four, just even in the southern district of things, uh are there any challenges for St. Thomas outside of the Venice that we discussed last week? <laughs> that's still that's still that that, that answers a no. There's, there's still there, there's no challenge there. I mean it, it, St. Thomas does not emerge out of the region as the region four champ i would be totally shocked, shocked. yeah shocked uh, the I, top four seeds though by the way folks st thomas dwyer doral academy and west broward just to give you an idea of what you know yeah you've got going oh. on in that region oh yeah there's a, there's a lot going on in that region for sure i mean it's just it's really one of those things so it's uh basically it's just you know it's one of those things with the whole entire system. I mean, thing is, again, it's just you know, I, 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 you look at St. Thomas, whoever they get, they're going to knock it. They're, they're probably going to run by anyways. But everybody else, we went on the positioning of the seating. It's probably going to be knockout, dragout fights. 
just to, just to, just the advance to get to the regional final. Just to, oh wow, I have to face St. Thomas in the regional finals. Good luck. Yeah, yeah, I, I know, and and so not much to be expected there. You know what? I'm going to save the talk about what we expect, uh, what we what you want to predict out of that uh, out of the northern end for next week when we actually have this thing set up. So sliding down to six A because you just can't talk about six A enough. Um, let's start up north. Class- the best classification, in my in my opinion. Oh, no <laughs> doubt. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, six. I mean, you, you look at this. Start up north. I mean, you look. You, you look. You got St. Augustine. You got Crestview that are sitting there in the in the top two in the Region One. And you look over at Region Two, and you like, you see you see three teams with point averages above forty. And I mean, that's Armwood, Mitchell, and Vanguard. Oh, holy crap! I mean, watch out. <laughs> yeah. How yeah. about Armwood? Um, just I don't care how you shape up these playoffs. They're there. You know, so uh, and strong. Hey, there's the Hawks. The Hawks are over here, and then you got to look. Then, you, then we got to take a look down to Miami and look at that District 16 because, ooh. And, and this is where I, I'm going to bring this up because there's been some talk about this. There's some people that are like, well, this shouldn't really be fair to the Miami teams having to beat up on each other just to get to the regional you know, final. I was or, just about to say that, Josh. You took the words right out of my mouth. Is it just going to be a situation that, you know, you're on life support after you get through this thing and you're probably food for whoever comes out of the north? Yeah, I mean, it really, that's just it. And and I really, you know, I think the next step I think that FHA could look at, and I really think, I really hope they consider this, is cross-seeding your regions. Okay, one and two, you take regions one and two, that's your north bracket. You take three and four and you cross-seed them, there's your south bracket. So in, in, in theory, is that you take the number one seed, so – Okay, so the number one seed in Region Three would play the number eight seed in Region Four, and so that means you. Uh, I think think of this: more Fort Myers versus Miami Norland the first round. <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice. I mean, do you really want to have um, the guys from from six A sixteen playing each other again, um, either in the first or second round, which is you know probably going to happen um, in years to come continuously? That's not a bad idea, Josh. Cross seating. It's, it's not a bad idea. I mean, Miami Northwestern would get Port Charlotte on the other end. I mean, that's. I mean, I, I really, you know, and you know, even in the situation, you know, you look at you look at a Daytona Beach mainland who's sitting number two in that Region Four. I mean, to play the number seven Baron Call. I it's it, it, really it would not be too much more anything else than what we had in the old system with with the with in terms of travel. It was just really pretty much basically it just you make the travel to where it's really you know this you know. It really doesn't do much change in traveling sense, you know. Right. And if you do cross seating, I mean, I really do believe that it would help the system if you know they. Yeah, probably start. something that's going to be on the table uh, when the season's over and they take a look at it. But you and but I you both agree, by and large, this point system but thing has, but you has can't been a good. You can't seed one through thirty-two. You, you, there is no way you can do that because some people would suggest that, and, and some people have. You can't do that. Not in a state like this. That, I mean. You're not going to ask a travel. team from Pensacola. You're not going to ask a team from Pensacola to travel 14 hours down to Miami. It's not happening. Yeah, not a, not a good deal. There'll be all types of complaints about that, and really not fair to to um, you know those teams in that situation. All right, five uh, A. Obviously, a bracket. I'm in a, a, the classification. I'm involved in a couple of um, some changes oh, there. Yeah, yeah, oh, a couple of a oh. couple of changes there though. Um, and, and that is Cardinal Gibbons sliding from five down to six, puts them on the other, uh, on the other side of the bracket. 
Um, so a little bit of a change there. Bishop Moore now number five. That slides them to the other side of the bracket. So a couple of interesting developments there. Is there a situation, I don't know if you've done the math, where that could change um, in this in this final week? Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, I haven't. I mean, they could be changes because it's so close. That's the thing. It's 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 really those that thing. I mean, Gibbon should easily roll over Hollywood Hills. I mean, a fifty-two point favorite. I mean, I I could not see. I mean, if Gibbons drops to Hollywood Hills, then we got to we we got to start no, asking not, questions. Not not going to happen. Would it do anything no. for their points though? That win. It would probably it would probably keep them more towards that six seed or even to a possible seven seed if that's the case. But uh, I mean, here's the thing, Bishop Moore. See, this is this is the question here: is does Bishop Moore uh, get the win over San, uh, Sanford Seminole? I mean, Sanford Seminole is a ten point favorite here in this game, according to Joe Pinko. So you know, that's the thing. It's you know, if Bishop Moore loses that game, you know, you could see that Cardinal Gibbons jump back in the five, Bishop Moore slide back down to six. So it's mm-hmm. really just a matter. It's all. It's all in the eyes of the beholder and how the cards are played. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so definitely a lot to uh, think about there. I, I mean, at the top here, I think we're we're we're, we're pretty much set um, with your top four seeds. Am I correct? Well, Region your top four. Well, I, I, your your, your four, top four seeds. I think you're gonna. You're. I mean, at this particular point, you look at you look at Plantation American Heritage. There, you know, you look at the point. I mean, forty five. And your, your next closest team sitting there is. 39.57. I think mm-hmm. in this particular case, it's really pretty much close to being set in terms of, okay, American, Plantation American Air is just going to finish with the one seed. But that's, that's almost a given here in this particular sense. The question is what happens with Rockledge and Jones here because this Rockledge point average slide down a little bit because they end up dropping the Coco, or this, does Rockledge actually upset Coco tonight? That's the thing. Because That's this, a very interesting is, game. This is this is actually the first time in a while that Rockledge has entered this game really, you know, looking at things pretty good. I mean, I mean that's the thing, you know, for for a thing. But Coco's a twenty-four point favorite in this game, so but you know, I'm not sure if it's going to be t- total twenty-four points. But again, I think Coco's the favorite. Just how much does Rockledge lose? You know, how much is how much does that hurt Rockledge average if they do go ahead and they do they do lose the game? And I mean, Jones is off this week. Jones's season's done. So it's, right. you know, that's the thing here with that. It's really just waiting to see. And again, some teams have some teams where they're borderline category between one, two, two, and three, three, and four. So, you know, you, you got to wait for those to play out and see where they finish at. And that's the, that's the key. It's some of these, some of these programs have that, you know, where they're waiting for some teams and some have more, some have less waiting for schools. to Yeah. Finish out. Yeah. No, no, no doubt about it. Region three. Does Immokalee look like uh, the king of this district? Oh, Immokalee uh, is going to run that region probably. I mean, a lot of people thought Dunbar at the start of the season, but after Immokalee defeated Dunbar in district play, it's really kind of just you know it, it made things very, very interesting on this one. And they, you know, again, it's and, and didn't didn't you had Southeast that forfeited six games and they're they got they were been they've been in the bracket here for the you know projected bracket for the lot last five weeks and then this week boom out out they go because of the forfeits and then now you're now you're talking about a, a potential you know four and six uh, sarasota booker team getting in because of those forfeits and stuff and you know it really just kind of changed the dynamics and stuff but uh mockily it's just yeah you know, i mean 
I, it really is just that Mockley is going to probably dominate that region. And then, of course, you know, you get, you, you probably, probably see Plantation American Heritage on the other side and have to go come down the plantation for that game. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And our, our old, old buddy of ours uh, uh, at running back, <laughs> coming back to visit American Heritage would make for an interesting storyline. And I'm, you know, I'm talking about good old Abe. Um, so we had, uh, Abraham Alsey uh, was was with us last year. Now back at Immokalee uh, would make for an interesting storyline. Jumping all the way up to Region One, um, it's been the talk's been Godby. Is West Florida a real threat? Uh, what would that game look like if that's how it shakes out? I'm just not sure about West Florida. I mean, it's it's. I mean, I mean they've they've played some games. They they played some good games, but West Florida. I just don't know if they're totally tested like Godby is. And then you, you, even even a team like Rebolt, which I think has been more tested. I mean, even then you get Trinity Christian, you know, Jacksonville Trinity Christian, who is, you know, likely. You know, I mean, thanks to thank, thanks to Pontevedra upsetting Bowles last week. I mean, that mm-hmm. really kind of changed the dynamic because Bowles could have won the district, didn't, didn't lost to Pontevedra, set up a three-way tie, which actually is in Trinity Christian's favor right this second and most likely could be at the end of the night. And we'll, we'll find out on Sunday if, what that, if that holds the case or not and all that. But uh, I tell you, it's really, you know, that, that, you know, people talking about, well, Trinity Christian, the first, could be the first team to go win five straight. Well, heck yeah, they, they don't have themselves any favors in that region because you know, and some of these public schools are ready to take them on, and they they want them. <laughs> they, they like yeah, yeah uh, they don't they don't really let you get too far out there. People plot on you, so that will be interesting to see. Slide into our region into Class Four A where we don't have districts. Um, region Four A Four is University School for real. I think they're. I think they're for real. I mean, I guess it's going to be as real for as real as as you look at it in this region because I mean, it really, as you know, it's it's it, it doesn't look it doesn't look the same without a Booker T. Washington sitting there. That's the, mm. that's the thing at that top right. four. You know, they're sitting at sixth place and they're pretty much out of it. But you look at you look at the top four and you look okay, forty four fifty seven, thirty nine forty three, thirty eight fifty seven, and thirty eight five, and then you drop down. You you look at Gulliver Prep and they're four points behind. Mm. Yeah. Um, way, way out of there. Uh, so we're we're pretty much looking at a, a university school Coco matchup in in uh, you know in in this part. Oh, 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 I mean, Glade Central's getting hot here, so we got to watch out and see what happens with them. But Key West, I I got to give I got to give credit for Key West for what they had been able to do. Missed three weeks of football, come back, and and you've only lost one game. Mm-hmm. I mean, considering everything that happened down there in the Keys, that really that's a that's a story right there to be written about. Yeah, no doubt about it. Some perseverance and some overcoming adversity, definitely. Uh, you could say that. Oh, for, oh no, for sure on that. That's that's the thing, you know. And it really, it's just the you know, it's Coco. Coco's hot, and you know, people. Some people was like, well, Booker T. Washington was the best team in the class for hey. Well, I beg to differ. Coco really is. <laughs> the best team still, in my opinion, right this second. I mean, yeah, yeah, some serious longevity there too. Seem to be able to get it done year after year, be in it or to be the team or close to being the team almost year in and year out. 
No, yeah, for sure. No, that's that's the case. And, and you know, for Booker for Booker T for Booker T to be on the outside looking in, this is, I you know, and sometimes sometimes I have to say this. You know, teams do have to have a slice of humble pie every once in a while. You can't you can't possibly win win every single season and expect the you know thing. And that's I understand district. I know state championships are the are are, are expected down there, but. You know these things come and go in cycles in high school football. You have it's it's it, it, if you don't if you if you just keep winning 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 and don't understand what losing is about. What is that teaching you? <laughs> yeah, no doubt stuff. about it. And, and 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 you know borders change, um, communities change, things happen. Um, sometimes you just don't. You have a situation where for a couple of years you just didn't have those elite type players. You know, things happen. It's it's fluid. This is not the NFL where you have, you know, you have a guy that could be on your roster for 10, 11, 12 years. You don't have that situation. You're turning it over every two, three years, basically, in high school football. So you're just going to have that time where, you know, um, you don't have the kind of players you need to make the run all the way to, to the championship. And that's just right. life. That's just the way no, that it goes. You're absolutely We're right. not going to have enough time to get to all the regions. Really quick on, on Class 3, Class 3A, um, Chaminade has been on a rampage since their game against us on ESPN. They've flat run through everybody. I don't think they're going to have any problems here in, in um, region, region four. Um, oh, I don't think they're going to have any, I don't, I, I don't think they're going to have any issues getting to the state championship game and actually winning it this year. I really you, think it's, you don't think Clearwater central Catholic could give them a good run. I think they could give him a good wrong run. It's just, you know, in the situation is, is that, you know, I mean, it, it, whoever they get from the North, I just really think, I mean, if it comes down to between those two, it's whoever, whoever, whoever wins that state semifinal, whoever gets to that game in Orlando, they're, they're going to, it, it may might not be much of a game depending on mm. who the opponent is. But then again, don't ever say never. No, oh, no, no. I, but I fully expected it. it even after our game against Chaminade and it, it was lopsided, I said to myself, leaving out of that game, I, fu- I fully expect Chaminade to win a state championship. Oh yeah, for sure. No, I, I definitely think they have it. They, they, they've got, they've got everything there. And I, you know, I think they, they're, they're still kicking themselves for last year after that performance, you know, against Trinity Christian, you know, they, they, they thought they had a good chance and they probably did have a good chance. And they just kind of, I felt like they did. Like, I sat there and watched the game. I thought they did. They, they let they let the ship sail on it and, and they, they and, and didn't realize that the ship was sailing on them. That's what happened. Yeah, no no doubt about it. Okay, one more one more thing to talk about here is we had a bit of a scandal this week. There were some ineligible players uh, that cost some teams some victories. Can you touch on that real quick and let us let the the listeners know what the situation was, what happened? Just some ineligible players that just they finally caught up with some teams that you know that they finally you know of course you have the state entry list that you have to put in and they start checking that and I I, I really think in in a certain situation that, that that should be done at the start of the season not waiting until you're ten week nine ten weeks into the season. Well, what was the issue, Josh? Um, was it age? Was it grades? What, yeah. what uh, borders the- districts? I think one situation was dealing with grades. I'm thinking that was the Southeast issue was dealing with grades on that one. But um, mm-hmm. there was a couple others where it was just it. They 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 played a player that was over the over the 19 year mark. You know, for the, September if they're 19 years old, uh, you know, on or before September one, they're ineligible. You know, if they turn 19 after, there's a little bit more flexibility on that. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. some just kind of didn't. You know, they 
they didn't didn't pay attention to that, and that's the thing. You know, it's you're already 19. I mean, it's it's no longer 199 in this state. It's 19 now. It's that's the right. way it is. And, you know, yeah. that's the big. Yeah. It's really just unfortunate. You have a little bit of something like this every year, so it it costs them there. Well, it, uh, it costs southeast you, the biggest in this park. Yeah, yeah, no question about it. We had someone in our district, Coconut Creek, that ran into the issue, but you know, I don't know how much it affected them. Um, I, yeah, I don't think Creek was, was going to make the playoffs. So, um, yeah, you know, it is, it is what it is. Well, listen, um, you've definitely been on top of everything, uh, with, in, in terms of the playoffs. So tell folks how they could follow along tonight and then what you're going to be doing this weekend to get everyone on top of, uh, how the playoffs are going to be seated and everyone who's in, who's out, let everyone know how they could follow along on that. Well, okay, you're going to find me on Twitter at FLIHS Football, Facebook, Fort HS Football, Instagram, Fort HS Football. Those are the social media accounts. Um, tonight, FortHSFootball.com scoreboard show, 10 to midnight on NFHSnetwork.com. There's a couple other things. That I probably, hopefully, I can reveal what I will be doing tomorrow, but that hmm. will be part of all this for You've this You've done a good weekend. job teasing it. No yeah, doubt. I have, I have, I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of waiting for the go on that one, but... Um, I can definitely say Sunday you will be able to follow along on our social media accounts as the brackets are unveiled. We will be basically we will tell you we, we will we will put that. We'll also have the playoff brackets up on our site. We'll be filling that information in in real time and updating it as the information is posted. And then Sunday, five o'clock on NFHSnetwork.com, we're going to do a. If, if I extend into four, three, three hours at least for doing a total breakdown of, and talking to media from around the state, I mean, uh, our buddy Larry Bluestein is uh, going to be part of the lineup, so we'll have him on the. We'll talk to him about some of the stuff for, with South Florida and the playoff matchups, and really just you know, kind of get an idea and breakdown of okay, what you know, how, qual- how good of the quality of the matchups are for this coming for round one, and then. Hopefully Wednesday we'll be able to uh, do a little bit more of a prediction side kind of thing and uh, kind of predict a little bit and give give the pinkos picks and like hey, here, here here's what it is. Yeah, I mean it sounds like it has a March Madness feel to it, uh, Josh. So I'm very excited about it and looking forward to all of it as we uh, settle up after this final week of action, man. Josh, I appreciate you being on. Looking forward to following all this stuff this weekend. Oh yeah, for sure. It's the hey the drive to December starts. Sunday at 11 o'clock and we'll get to the state championships in Orlando and just, oh, and, and actually just right, oh, just right over a month away. I mean, it's hard to believe we're just right at that month point. Yeah. It went, it, it went, it went so fast. And so I'm looking forward to next week's show, but before that, looking forward to following all of the action this weekend through your various social media accounts and FloridaHSFootball.com. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate it, Chad. Have a good one. All right, and that wraps it up, man. College football, uh, we, we hit the previews, all of the top games up this weekend. Eamon and I gave our picks, same in the NFL. Uh, picks are in, and then and then uh, we got through all of, or most of, what we needed to talk about here in terms of Florida high school football. Next week, we'll uh, get some talk in here about what's going on in 1, 2A, and then more discussion on 3A next week. So have no fear if your school and you're listening uh, is, is in one of those classifications. Uh, we're going to definitely hit up on everything next week. Hey, look, I want to thank you all for listening to the show. We appreciate all of the loyal listeners of the uh, Gridiron Stud Show. We absolutely appreciate you listening to the show. 
Um, and uh, we're happy to get you all ready for the weekend. I was just joking about the Grey Goose and the Glock. You don't need that stuff this weekend. We know you're going to drink. Keep the guns at home, man. We don't need that stuff. Anyway, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the high school football tonight, the college football tomorrow, and then, uh, you know, stay stuck on the couch. Sunday, NFL football is there. We're happy to get you all ready for it. Enjoy the weekend. We're back next week on the Gridiron Stud Show. Thanks for listening. Do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payouts. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over 600000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! This is the smell of a warm, three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! <sighs> and this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.